Welcome to the CTO Connection Podcast. I'm Peter Bell, and every couple of weeks, I'll be sharing interviews with top engineering leaders. This episode is sponsored by Code Climate. Velocity by Code Climate is an engineering analytics tool that takes commit and get insights and turns it into actionable metrics and dashboards for engineering leaders. In a few weeks, they're releasing Velocity 3.0 with Jira, which will combine Git and PR data with issue data for the first time to give engineering executives a complete understanding of how their team works. You can now see the status of every initiative without manual reporting and know exactly which engineering projects get off track and why. They're releasing the new product in November, but you can request early access by going to codeclimate.com slash CTO connection. Hi there, my name's Peter Bell. And today I'm speaking with Jason Mong, founder of the Clover Group. Jason, thanks for agreeing to chat today. My pleasure. Now, I know you gave a presentation recently at the San Francisco CTO Summit about thinking about technical due diligence, what investors really care about. For people who didn't attend the summit, could you give us a little background first? How did you get into the the business of technical due diligence? Yeah, happy to. So I've been a, a software engineer, architect, development manager for you know over twenty years. I've worked for a series of of startups and essentially you know helped get them from the inception phase to about the growth stage. Um, and then me and my team have have helped hire uh, basically teams to replace us, and then we would move on to the to the next startup. Um, so that's been my my career path. I've I've helped create quite a few startups, um, many in in the healthcare industry specifically. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I, you know, through a coworker who had, who had started doing technical due diligence, I, I fell into doing it as well. Um, so that was about two years ago. And, and as of recently, we've done diligence on um, over 50 growth stage companies. Wow. So when you're doing technical due diligence, is this primarily from an investor perspective? Yes, it is. Um, we specific, we focus on doing technical due diligence um, specifically for private equity firms and VCs who are investing in growth stage companies. Um, we have done some work for M&A, but the majority of it is is growth stage companies for private equity firms. That's great. So I'm, I'm definitely fascinated to dig into that a little more because sometimes it's hard to see your org and your tech as other people would see it, right? You're busy building this, you're building the future, you're building an organization. And then someone comes knocking, he's like, uh, let me have a look at what you did here. So when you start the process of technical due diligence, how does that work? How do you first engage with the the CTO or the, the VP of engineering? Sure. Well, I'll actually walk back just a little bit. Um, so, you know, we get called typically the afternoon that the CEO has signed the term sheet with a private equity firm. Um, and that starts the diligence process. So at that point in time, the private equity firm, they'll contact all of their diligence providers. They'll start financial diligence to verify all the books. They'll hire legal diligence to verify all the contracts. And then they call us to run technical due diligence. So our process, and mind you that, you know, this, these are early days for technical due diligence. Um, there's not a playbook for it, just like there's not really for software. And in software, we're still evolving our patterns and our processes. It's, it's even earlier for technical due diligence. In fact, there are a lot of uh, private equity firms in BC who don't do any form of technical due diligence at all. Um, it's simply, uh, you know, not on their radar. But, you know, we we do a very thorough deep dive technical due diligence process, and it typically starts with a, um, a kickoff call with the CTO, uh, where we come and essentially explain who we are, uh, why we're there, and what the project is going to look like. 
Um, after that kickoff call, the CTO will fill out a technical questionnaire, which is a, a basic fact-finding document that gives us a, a basic understanding of how they're doing all of the things they're doing, how the team is structured, how the product is built, what their infrastructure is, and, and what their dev process looks like. And then we come on site, we'll spend a full day in the diligence conference. That's you know one of us sitting down face-to-face with the CTO or the, whoever the technology leader is locked in a conference room with a whiteboard. We'll draw you know, we'll go over all of those topics and and draw lots of boxes with arrows pointing between them to go really deep dive on the on the parts of their team or their technology that we're really interested in. And then after that meeting, um, we will do a debriefing with the investors and call out uh, in that basically, you know, at a very high level, all of the things that we learned with our you know opinions of you know, here's the parts that that this company is really advanced at or they're very mature here and here are, are areas where they are less less developed or maybe even some things that are that fall into their blind spots um, and then we'll write up a technical assessment that that is a lengthy document that captures all of that stuff so it's you know memorialized that's great so are there some things that you notice the CTOs are consistently not thinking about that could help them to be better set up like Maybe even before they get the call from the CEO, hey, Jason's coming tomorrow, even earlier than that. Are there other things you think engineering leaders could focus on that would have them better set up for this kind of audit? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. In, in a perfect world, the CTO or the technology leader would have work, been working with the, the, the founders and the CEO as they're going through the fundraising process um, and actually done a dress rehearsal where they actually, you know, they would bring someone like us in. We could walk through the full diligence process and kind of let them know, okay, here's what we're hearing. Here's how investors are going to hear that. And let's talk about the things that maybe don't present as well about how you can craft your message around those or, or maybe come up with a plan for, for um, you know, addressing those things so that they don't come across poorly um, in diligence. So that would be the best case scenario is to actually do a dress rehearsal. Short of that, uh, that, yeah, there's a few things that I that we frequently see in diligence that I think would really help someone. So in a perfect world, the CTO or the technology leader would have known the CEO is going through the fundraising process, and they could have actually done a full dress rehearsal. They could bring someone like us in, and we do a full walk through the process. We could echo back to them what they're telling us and, and let them know how investors are going to read that. So if there's any parts that don't come across as, as strong as they may want, um, we could help them craft their delivery and and maybe come up with a you know like a longer term plan. Um, short of that, because often the the CTO is not included at, for growth stage companies, they're not necessarily included in the um, in the fundraising process. They can practice a few things so that when it come when it happens in diligence, they've they've done it a bit. So practice drawing their system architecture, like the code layers, the infrastructure design, the service architecture. Um, they could practice describing their dev process. You know, we're going to cover that. And, um, you know, if they can describe that as, as concise and as, as short as possible, um, that, that presents well and it saves us time and diligence. Um, because remember, we have, we have one day uh, when running tech diligence to get a, essentially to get a read on the company and, and the technology team. Um, so, you know, you want to use that time as, as effectively as you possibly can. And along those lines, you know, in, in diligence, I mentioned, we spend a full day together with the technology leader. Sometimes people will bring other people into the room, other people on their team who are maybe the experts in architecture or the experts on the UI front end, front end layer, um, whatever it is. It's perfectly okay to bring those people into the room. But when they when you do that, you definitely want to think through you know people who are not just great technologists, but also who are strong communicators. 
you know, you, you really want to have people who are, you know, genius communicators as well as your, your genius architects or technologists. Even going a little further back in the process, are there some things you would advise an engineering leader to think about more seriously if they know there's going to be another round coming up or potentially some M&A activity? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's, it's, it's, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, you know, what we specialize in currently, we specialize in growth stage companies. So often our investors are investing in companies that have never gone through fundraising before. Um, it's, you know, it's typically an A round. It could be a large round. It could be a very, it could be a company that has a really large, um, you know, substantial uh, ARR, but they've just never brought in outside funding before. So they haven't gone through this type of review necessarily. Sometimes people check all the boxes and they've, you know, they're totally on top of it. They have a lot of experience at, at other software companies. And then a lot of times we also see companies that are that are smaller and it might be the the CTO's first time. This might be the largest team they've ever worked on. They may not even have necessarily worked at another software company before and seen what maybe an organized development process looks like, um, or they might not even know necessarily that it's it's part of their job to have a disaster recovery plan and to have discussed that plan with the rest of the leadership team. So, you know, we see we see a lot of things. It varies by the size of the company. Got it. So, is there one hint you could give a CTO something that would help them when they're in the room doing the technical due diligence process? Sure. Yeah, I can, I can give actually something that I, I consider to, to kind of be a sneaky trick. So, you know, in diligence, we're going to ask a lot of questions and depending on the, the tech leader's experience, they they'll you know, there's there's areas where they're going to feel like they're very prepared and, and they've done a really good job addressing those issues. There's going to we're going to cover topics where, um, you know, they may have cut some corners, which is natural in the course of a, of a growth stage startup. Um, and we'll talk about things that they may not have um, actually gotten to yet, or they may not know are part of their responsibility um, as a tech leader. So um, when you know we touch on those questions where the the person isn't isn't prepared, maybe the the question caught them flat footed. Um, my trick is to ask questions. Um, you know, appeal to the auditor's vanity. Ask them what they'd recommend. I mean, you can't obviously get away with that with all types of questions. Um, if I ask you, you know, does your system store date time values in local time or, or UTC? Um, it's going to sound pretty peculiar if you say, geez, I don't know. What would you recommend we do? But, uh, you know, keep in mind, you know, most of the time that people running diligence um, are they are fellow technologists. You know, we were in your shoes just two years ago or, or and you know, we love getting into the details. I love talking about feature flags and what the benefits of using abstract story points are rather than actual hours when you're doing estimates. I mean, I love geeking out on these things because it was, you know, it was, it was these are the types of things that we did up until very recently. Um, so, you know, for one, it's more fun to, to for all of us to, to treat the whole engagement like a, just as a conversation. Um, and we'll both learn things out of it. You know, I learn things doing diligence all the time. Um, from companies that are just doing some really cool advanced stuff. Um, and, and we have experiences to draw from too, you know, that we can, we can help people, you know, essentially make better software. That's great. So what would be, in addition to the things you've talked about so far, what would be another kind of top level concern for investors? Yeah, that's easy. Um, security. Security is huge. I, uh, very frequently on calls with investors, you know, it, when we're, when we're approaching the engagement and I ask them, you know, what are your top concerns about this company? Um, security always comes up as a, as a, as an issue. And, you know, it makes sense. Uh, security is huge now. It, you know, there are security breaches happening all the time. They seem to be happening at, at an increasing rate. Um, and a lot of times, you know, growth stage startups are very focused on getting features out, getting good product market fit. 
um, security. They, well, you know, everybody says security is important. They may not have had time to address it yet. So security is, is a really big concern for investors. And, you know, in diligence, uh, so my tip around that is in diligence, we ask questions around about security all day long. You know, we're going to ask how often, um, what type of security training are you doing with your staff? How often do you do it? Um, do you have any credentials or API tokens stored in source control? You know, um, do you have some type of open source vulnerability scanner built into your CI process? I mean, we're going to poke and prod everywhere we can trying to get a sense of how, uh, what's the security posture of the organization and specifically of the tech, you know, with the tech leader that we're working with, um, how aware are they and how focused are they on, on implementing good security? So my tip around that is actually uh, uh, almost a request is that, you know, I would love it if the technology leaders knew that we're going to be talking about that and they would come prepared with specific examples of what they're doing because, you, you know, they're doing things for sure. Um, to implement solid security. And every company is different. Every industry is different. We may not know to ask the right question to find out, oh, actually, they've done a really good job with, with security here. So, you know, if they can come to diligence with uh, prepared with a list of examples um, across all of those topics, across your team and your product and your infrastructure and your dev process of how you're staying focused on security and making sure your team has a high security awareness, um, that would be great. You know, and I'll give some examples of that. Um, you know, things that I've seen that I've been very impressed by, you know, maybe the company, I, I've seen a company that um, where they had built a reflection-based automated test suite that actually would scan um, all of their API endpoints to make sure that all of their, all API calls actually invoked the authentication layer. That was brilliant. You know, that makes sure that no developer who comes in who doesn't know the patterns of their code base um, can't just drop in a new endpoint and and forget to to invoke authentication. Another company I saw, and, and this is wonderful. I, I I was thrilled when I heard this because now it's part of my talking point when I do diligence. I actually recommend to folks that they do this because I thought I was so impressed by it. Um, they include a security awareness topic in their monthly company meeting. So every company meeting at the end of it, they have five or ten minutes where they they talk about you know some very recent um, and and relevant. Uh, security concern, uh, which is wonderful because not only is it you know better than just doing your annual security training and hitting people once a year over the head with it, getting doing it every month just gets it into your you know gets it under your skin and people are thinking about security, but also it allows them to stay more current. Um, security is changing constantly. You know the, the best practices of of five years ago are you know terrible practices now in, in many cases. So it's, you know, I loved hearing that. It was just what a brilliant idea. So now I tell everybody, hey, you should think about having a security awareness topic in your company meeting. So um, anyway, I could go on and on. I am I'm I love security and, and, you know, get excited when people are really focused on it. That's great. Earlier, you mentioned the idea of putting together a disaster recovery plan. How should a CTO think about doing that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, and a lot of these uh, the smaller growth stage companies that that we look at don't yet have a disaster recovery plan, um, and that's okay. You know, that doesn't show up as a red flag in diligence by any means. Um, it does start a conversation during the diligence process during the diligence conference. Typically, that company that that uh, conversation goes like this. So we'll ask, you know, what is your disaster recovery plan? What would you do if you know AWS lost all of your uh, all of your backups tomorrow? And usually, people get kind of a um, uncomfortable expression at that point. Um, so that's when we talk about, okay, you know, now is the point in your growth. It's okay you don't have a disaster recovery plan yet, but now is the point in your growth cycle where you know it's time to start thinking about that and putting one together. But here's the saving grace around that. 
this is not your, you know, when I'm talking to the CTO or the, or the tech leader, this is not your sole responsibility. You don't have to come up with this plan and go implement it and, and go, you know, beg the CFO for funds to, to hire a person or to, or to fund this. This is a business level decision. This is a, a business strategy decision. Um, you know, you absolutely, as the tech leader, have a lot of inputs into that decision, right? You know what the risks are of your hosting provider going down or your data center going down or, or whatever. You know what the options are to, to solve that, right? You can, well, we can go on and on. Um, you know uh, how long it's going to take to build those various options. And, and, and you can also inform what's the ongoing cost of those implementations. But the rest of the leadership team, they have inputs as well. So marketing can inform, well, what SLA is actually competitive within your marketplace? How many nines are we targeting for uptime here? Or what disaster recovery do we need to actually, you know, do we need to implement to be um, competitive with our with our competitors? Um, sales, right? They have inputs. What commitments have been made to customers? Um, probably the, that's baked into the into the sales contracts. So, you know, the overarching point here is it's not the CTO's sole responsibility to come up with that disaster recovery plan. It is their responsibility. If no one else on the leadership team is aware of this um, or has started that conversation, it is it it is on the CTO's shoulders to start that conversation and, and get people talking about it. But they're not the final arbiter and the final decision maker of that. It's it's a shared responsibility for the whole business team because it is at, it is a business strategy decision. That's great. So Jason, presumably these are primarily growth stage companies you're dealing with. So one of the big challenges they're facing is how to think about scaling and building a plan around that. Any advice you'd have for that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, the investors that we work with are investing almost exclusively in growth stage companies. And they're looking at this investment. You know, I, I hear the expression 3x in three years mentioned a lot with investors in, in investor meetings. And that's specifically because they're you know, one baseline financial model they're they're operating on is they're investing money in the company today, so that the company in three years will have three x in value, and they can then sell it to someone who invests in a company at that at that stage. So you know, everything in the company needs to scale in order to support that three x in growth, right? Not only sales, but also everything that you know the technology team is responsible for. So in technical due diligence, we're looking specifically at how well will the technology team and the product and infrastructure, essentially all of the things underneath the product team, how well will those things scale? Um, and you know, we obviously we've got one day. We we only have a very limited amount of information to base that decision on. So we rely largely on the technology leader to tell us, you know, how well are you prepared to scale? One thing that we'll ask about is about scaling the team, right? Typically scaling the business 3X is going to involve scaling the development team to to some extent. Um, so we'll ask the tech leader, what does your hiring plan look like? What's What does your team look like in 12 months? What does it look like in in three years? And one thing that that really helps that conversation is when the CTO has brought to us um, their hiring plan. You know, I've seen a lot of different kinds of this. I've seen, you know, we'll always get an org chart. In the best case scenario, we'll receive two org charts, one of what it looks like today and one that's this is what we think our teams, our, our org chart is going to look like in one year with all of the, the you know, new hires in that. That's great. That's, you know, in one page communicates to me wow, okay, this is how they're thinking about scaling their team. Yes, they understand the need for, you know, now that they're going from five devs to, to 20 devs, okay, we're going to have to bring in dev managers. We might have scrum masters. You know, we're going to staff out our product, man we're going to hire our first product manager or a whole product management team. And here's who they're going to report to, you know, in this this organization 
they've decided product management's going to report to the CTO in another organization they're going to they're going to decide to have that report to the CEO and again you know these types of things when we see them that starts a conversation that, that why okay that's great why are you having product management report here versus here in this case tell me your thought process behind that all of these you know all of these inputs we use to sort of understand the the thinking of the technology team and and all of that again then stepping back informs us okay here's how they're planning on scaling their team or or potentially not yet you know and th- and then it starts the whole conversation around hey you know let's let's talk about development managers or let's talk about product managers when you talk about all the elements of tech due diligence this almost sounds like something you should be doing every year or two whether or not you're raising capital or getting acquired does this feel like this should be some part of the ongoing process for building and managing your engineering org? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, in fact, you know, now that I've been doing tech diligence for a few years now, and I think back to when I was the CTO of an organization or the or you know just the lead technologist, and I would have absolutely loved to have someone like um, one of us come in and run through the tech diligence process in a friendly way. You know, where we're friends and we're agreeing and. You know, and it's and it's it's considered a you know we look at it as a learning opportunity. But there are things that we cover in tech diligence that honestly, when I was CTO, I didn't even know those things were my job, like the disaster recovery plan. I didn't even know that was a thing back then. I would have loved to have had someone come in and actually walk through all of these things, and you know, give you a pat on the back on the where that you're doing well, and then help fill in your blind spots and and talk through well, how do I scale my team to double the size? I don't know what that looks like. Help me out, you know. And, that, that would have been wonderful. So it, I would love to not only use tech diligence for the purpose that it's currently used for, which is so that private equity firms and VCs can, you know, make sure that there's no big red flags on within the product team or the technology, but but also as a sort of annual, uh, you know, health check for technology organizations. I think there's a lot of benefit there, potentially there. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This episode was sponsored by Code Climate. Velocity by Code Climate is an engineering analytics tool that takes commit and good insights and turns it into actionable metrics and dashboards for engineering leaders. In a few weeks, they're releasing Velocity 3.0 with Jira, which will combine Git and PR data with issue data for the first time to give engineering executives a complete understanding of how their team works. You can now see the status of every initiative without manual reporting and know exactly which engineering projects get off track and why. They're releasing the new product in November, but you can request early access by going to codeclimate.com slash CTO connection. This episode was produced by the amazing team over at Dante32, a podcast production agency focusing on content strategy, audio production, and distribution. Check them out at dante32.com. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others to find the show. Thank you.